Let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you for this precious gift you have given us of remembering. Remembering your story and remembering the stories of your faithful ones. And we thank you for the way that our remembering then helps to give us strength and to reorient us toward what is most important. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray for this to happen here this morning yet again. And it's through Christ that we pray. Amen. This past summer, while we were in Chicago, or excuse me, during, while we were in California, we were in Chicago as well, but while we were in California during my sabbatical, eight of us from Danette's family traveled together to Yosemite National Park. And we went to see that great cathedral of a valley. How many of you have been there? Yeah, we were there to see El Capitan, to see Half Dome, Glacier Point, to uh, go by the Merced River. What does the Merced River mean? The River of Mercy. Wow. So we were there for all of those wonderful things, but we were also there on a family mission as well. And so one afternoon, all eight of us hiked to the Tuolumne Grove of towering sequoias, the trees that Sanford, Danette's dad, had loved so very much during his life. And our family sprinkled some of his ashes around those giant trees. Please don't tell anybody we did that. (laughs) We were right at the first anniversary of Sanford's death, and it was such a wonderful opportunity to thank God for his beautiful life and to remember all the ways that he had uniquely and sometimes humorously loved God and loved his neighbor as himself. That experience got me to thinking also about all the funerals that I've participated in as a pastor over the years, and to realize yet again that all the things that you and I can spend, can spend our lives on in this life, Almost never, the things that we can chase after in this life almost never get mentioned in a funeral. At funerals, we almost never hear about a person's professional degrees or their titles. Uh, We almost never hear about what kind of car a person drove or how big their house was or how many hours they worked or the size of their bank account or their retirement accounts. 
Instead, what we do remember are two very specific things. The twin loves that our Lord Jesus mentions for us, highlights for us today. Did this person love God? And did this person love their neighbor as themselves? In fact, for us as pastors, the hardest, hardest funerals to lead are those where these twin loves are absent. That's hard work. And the most joyful ones are those where these twin loves are abundantly present. Because since they are so abundantly present, there can be much celebration even in the midst of our mourning. In today's bulletin, you may have noticed that we don't have our usual photo insert of Chestnut members who have died this past year. That's because for the first time in a while, we're all here. (laughs) Praise God. You know, that's quite a contrast to uh, the span of a year from early 2014 to early 2015. Some of you may remember when we had 10 funerals. And so we had a big photo insert with all the wonderful pictures of those saints. But I'm very grateful for that span of time. And for the opportunity to remember saints like Paul Hostler and David Gaiman, Luke Wenger, Marcus Smooker, Ken Knoll, Gene Sconiers. Because it became for me a very precious tutorial in what is most important in this life. I found myself noticing at the funerals of each of these people the very unique ways that each of them had loved God and loved their neighbor as themselves. And before some of them died, there were also precious conversations about times in their lives when loving their neighbor as themselves felt completely impossible. And where God's river of mercy had flowed into their lives and helped them to do the impossible. I remember especially David Gaiman talking about God's mercy flowing into his life to help him to forgive a neighbor. For those of you who are uh, just getting an early start in your lives, let me share with you a little secret that I've been learning here at East Chestnut these past years. Attending funerals is not a morbid activity, quite the contrary. Instead, it is a very crucial spiritual discipline. You know, even when we don't know that person well, and so often I hear people say, oh, I didn't know them, I didn't go to the funeral. 
Wow. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity to show love and support to their loved ones. Missed opportunity to be church to one another. But friends, funerals are also a very powerful teacher. They remind us that our days here on earth are numbered and they inspire us to reorient our lives yet again toward what in the end is most precious and most lasting. And this is the love of God and the love of neighbor as ourselves. I rarely leave a funeral without asking myself in some way, how can love of God and neighbor and myself more fully become the orientation of my life? And I don't know about you, but I rarely leave a funeral without asking, what are people going to say at my funeral? And to live in such a way that that will be a happy day. So friends, in the same way today, how might the Holy Spirit be guiding you right here in this moment with a very particular relationship or situation that you're struggling with right now to orient yourself more fully toward the love of God and the love of neighbor? What might love require for you right here this morning? You know, this remembering of the lives of the saints who've gone before us is much, much more impactful than we often know. And I I experienced that this past week yet again. You'll recall this past Sunday we had a delegation of six Chinese religious leaders with us, four Protestants, a Catholic, and a Buddhist master. Sounds a little bit like a joke, doesn't it? Four Protestants and a Catholic priest and a Buddhist came into a church. Well, after the service, we sat down here and we had a time of question and answer time. And I'm not quite sure how this came up, but they asked me how it was that I had become a pastor. And it became the opportunity for me to share with these Chinese friends that one of their Chinese compatriots, a 90-year-old Chinese Christian, had embodied so fully the love of God that in his presence in the three days that I spent with him, I heard God's call to become a pastor. And his witness, his name was Stephen Wong, was so profound, especially because of the incredible suffering and oppression that he had experienced for many years uh, during the Cultural Revolution. Well, this past Tuesday, this group had a closing banquet at some restaurant here in Lancaster, and they were invited to share some of the highlights of their trip. And I later heard, I wasn't there, But the Buddhist master shared that he was most deeply moved by the story of how how a Chinese person's life had impacted the life of a young American 
to come into ministry. And he also shared something else, which I think is very interesting. He shared that he was so impressed by the spirit of peace that he sensed here in our church. He mentioned East Chestnut particularly. And it's interesting that our focus was on singing. That perhaps in our singing we are most peaceful, most listening carefully to one another. And he said that he no longer viewed all Americans anymore as aggressive. Because he had met some Americans now who embodied humility, respect, and compassion. Our Bible gives us this beautiful glimpse a number of times of the great communion of saints, encompassing those who have gone before us, those who are with us, and those who are yet to come. Hebrews 12.1 calls it the great cloud. I love that. The great cloud of witnesses. We have a hymn that talks about friends on earth and friends above. It's talking about that. And I love to think of my dear spiritual mentor, Stephen Wong, as being part of that cloud, even though he's gone to God many years ago. In Revelation 7 today, we also are given this breathtaking glimpse of what this communion of saints is like and will be like in the days to come. In John's vision people from every nation, every tribe, every language are all gathered around God and the throne of the Lamb in worship. And I find it especially moving that John's vision ends with God tenderly wiping away all of our tears that we've shed in this life. Whether tears from persecution, from oppression, from inexplicable loss. Some of you have inexplicable loss in your lives. From the suffering caused by others and by the suffering that has been caused by our own terrible mistakes as well. Revelation 7.17 says God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And the other crucial thing that I want you to see in this passage is that all of our stories, dear friends, will end finally with God. God is our final destination. God is our final destination. And in God's loving presence, our joy will be finally and fully complete. So this morning, we invite you to come forward. Uh, Marsha will be playing some hymns on the piano for us. And I invite you to 
light a candle for uh, one of the saints here at East Chestnut who has deeply impacted your life, perhaps for someone, a loved one, whom you're missing in a special way today, or maybe for a person like Stephen Wong who helped you to connect with God in a new or deeper way. So we invite you to come down the aisle and then to return by the outer aisle. Uh, We're going to do one thing that's a little different this year. If you wish to, after you have lit your candle, you can go uh, to one of these two mics and simply name out loud the loved one that you're lighting your candle for. And just in a word, uh, name your relationship with them. For example, your mother, Mary, or your friend, Frank. So, dear friends, today we join sisters and brothers around the world in pausing and to remember and to give thanks for those who have gone before us. Those who have gone before us and now are cheering us on from the great balconies of heaven. Amen.